Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Check out the original DG Designs at David Gardner's Jewelers, 911 University Drive in front of audio video. Welcome back. Uh, this portion of the program is brought to you by Alan Honda. Tomorrow, we go behind the keyboard with legendary author John Feinstein. Uh, That is tomorrow on the program. Um, On this date, it's an infamous date in the state of Texas history, 1966. Um, 56 years ago, Charles Joseph Whitman climbed to the observation deck of the tower on the University of Texas campus, uh, killed three people on the way to the deck, killed 11 others and injured 31 more until he was finally killed on that day in 1966. Six years ago on the 50th anniversary of the shooting, I visited with author Monty Akers, He wrote what I think is the definitive book on that incident called Tower Sniper. And I thought I'd replay it for you again this afternoon. We want to go to the Players Fund Center phone line and visit with Monty Akers. He has co-written a book called Tower Sniper, the Terror of America's first active shooter on campus. Of course, yesterday, the 50th anniversary of uh, that tragedy. And Monty, one of the things I got from uh, from reading the book is it's been 50 years, but there are a lot of people that have not forgotten nor will they ever forget what happened on that campus. Absolutely. Uh, when my son and I started writing this book, we didn't expect there to be so much emotion and sensitivity uh, after so long. Um, we thought we were just going to be writing history, but there's many layers of unhealed wounds and questions that still exist. And one of the things you brought out, and, and we'll talk about what happened yesterday, is the university has basically ignored this uh, shooting for 50 years, hoping that it would go away, haven't they? Well, up until yesterday. Yep. Uh, I think they took ownership of it at the event yesterday. Uh and, you know, to some extent, it's understandable. They, uh, this was the first campus shooting mass murder of its kind, and nobody knew exactly what to do. And yep. The university wanted to ignore it and get back to business as usual. Yeah, and uh, obviously, uh, while, while there were most people, I guess, were able to do that, people who were involved, as I mentioned, they were never able to do that. And, and the university, I, I, I understand, didn't want Whitman uh, you know, memorialized, but the victims were never thought of or mentioned either. Exactly. Uh, we know now from the recent uh, campus shootings, such as Virginia Tech, that people desperately need a place to go, a place to grieve, a mm-hmm. place to talk to others about it. And in the case of the UT shootings, 
we ran into witnesses over and over who said, you know, I never spoke about this for 49 years, or mm-hmm. or, or, or mm-hmm. we would get together, we were both there, but, but we never even mentioned it. And uh, uh, Wasn't part of that part of the times, too, Monty? I mean, just the times... In the mid '60s, I mean, uh, there there wasn't a lot of people sharing their feelings then. Well, and that's true. That's true. I lived through that, and I know what you're saying. Um, I want to talk about. Um, I, I guess first of all, I, I I couldn't put the book down, but but I found it really disturbing and kind of creepy. I mean, there, there's kind of pit in my stomach for three days when I was reading it. There are some creepy parts in the book. I, I will be the first to admit it. You know, I I was only 13 when that happened. Uh, obviously, I still remember it. I, I remember the news coverage of it. I remember if it was on Walter Cronkite, it had to be really important uh, if the, he was leading with that that evening. Um, and and I, I guess I've lived 50 years thinking that it was a brain tumor that caused Charles Whitman to do what he did. And I think everyone believed that and wanted to believe that. And uh, my son and I assumed that was the case when we began the research. It was not until we really started looking into the report of the Connolly Commission and other uh, primary sources that we came to realize that there was doubt and that the Connolly Commission basically just compromised and said it's conceivable that the tum- there was a tumor that had uh, that affected his behavior. Uh, but uh, our research uh, led us to the conclusion that uh, that that was not the case at all. Well, uh, the the tumor was small according to the autopsy, which, by the way, uh, I, I was shocked to learn came after he was embalmed. I know, isn't that isn't that interesting? Because, because uh, apparently there wasn't refrigeration, right? That's correct. They wow. They uh, they moved quickly to embalm the very night that he was killed, and. Uh, and I don't know whether they just assumed there wasn't a need for an autopsy, <laughs> but uh, we, when we spoke to the uh, one of the morticians that was there, he at first said, oh, no, we wouldn't have done that. And then we showed him a photograph of, of Whitman's body. And as you know, when there's an autopsy, there's a Y-shaped yep. scar, yep. whereas if there's an embalmment, there's an, uh, uh, an insert uh, in the, uh, I guess, of a... Uh, I'm not sure which artery, but right. in the upper upper right side, and and in this photograph, it was clear that he had been embalmed, but not not autopsied. And beside the fact he was shot in the head, which damaged the brain and made it even more difficult, didn't it? That's correct. That's correct. Um, your your conclusion uh, that 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 you draw, and I don't put, I'll let you say what it is, but but he. He had an antisocial disorder. He obviously came from a uh, terrible father who caused problems, but but you don't believe it was the tumor that caused this action. Well, and, and what we did is submit uh, all of the available information from the autopsy and otherwise to a very well-qualified uh, neurosurgeon yes. in California, and he concluded that uh, it was the type of small tumor that he had seen he said literally thousands of times, uh, and that it would not have affected his behavior, would not have even caused his headaches. Uh, And, you know, everybody wants to know why he did it, and it's difficult to sum that up in in 25 words. Uh, But he hated himself. He 
He always expected himself to be expected to be a complete success in life. That wasn't happening. He was uh, he was having difficulties at school and considered himself a failure. And he had this fantasy about shooting people. And, uh, one thing he was good at was shooting. And uh, he mentioned at least five and probably more times uh, between 1961 and 66 about. Uh, his fantasy of climbing up the tower and and shooting people, and uh, finally he just lived his dream. But but he, he I mean he planned it. Absolutely, absolutely, he is a very meticulous planner. Uh, the, the the thing that was really creepy was on one of his guns, he had marked down uh, the measurements for the scope and wind direction as a as a marksman shooter. The uh, the same kind of things that he did in the army. Uh, that's correct, and that, that little piece of tape that he wrote three numbers on that uh, he stuck to the butt of one of his rifles is still there. The, the rifle's in a crime museum in Washington, D.C., and I guess no one had ever bothered to get those numbers analyzed, mm-hmm. uh, but we did, submitted them to, a, to an expert on ballistics and shooting, and those three numbers told quite a story. Uh uh, not only told uh, uh, how meticulous he was in planning, but it dispelled some of the myths about uh, why he shot, who he shot, and when he shot them. Uh, as as many people know, his first victim was pregnant, and his shot hit her in in the midsection and killed the baby. Yes. And many people thought that was intentional, but it just so happened she was exactly 87 yards from the base of the of the tower, and he had stepped that off, calculated the angle at which he would be shooting from 231 feet, and determined how to aim his scoped rifle with his first cold bore mm. shot. And it it hit low, as all cold bore shots do. And uh, so it was very tragic what happened, but it, uh, he didn't select a pregnant woman uh, because she was pregnant. And in fact, he selected some of his victims because they were difficult shots. I mean, he, he loved the fact they were running from it. Well, apparently, because he, uh, he certainly made some, some difficult shots. His, uh, he was very uh, proficient at shooting moving targets, and, uh, and, and he did on, on occasion, and then made an amazing shot to kill uh, the Austin police officer that was killed that day. Uh, up to 500 yards, I believe, right? Correct. Two, two of his shots were at 500 yards. Tell our, tell our listeners, and this I, I did not know either, that countless lives were probably saved because students began bringing deer rifles to campus and shooting at him on the tower and kept him pinned down. Well, that's that's become a, a popular uh, theory or, or anecdote about the uh, the shootings, because certainly after the first twenty to thirty minutes of shooting, he began getting a lot of return fire, and that meant that his only uh, suitable uh, areas to shoot from were through the drain spouts. There's three drain spouts on, on the on the on the floor uh, of the on tower. The floor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and they make decent um, shooting ramps, but uh, but it was very difficult to find targets through them. And once the return fire became heavy, uh, all of his shots after that were well. He 
all of his kill shots were in the first 30 minutes. Yes. And uh, so that has become kind of a rallying cry for the proponents of of uh, campus carry uh, that uh, this is an example of uh, of how it's a, a good idea. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to get into that. I, I I happen to believe that, but but they were. I mean, pistols weren't going to do any good, and in fact, the police department was outgunned because they didn't have the rifles. They were some of the students gave them some rifles to help them shoot because all they had were pistols and shotguns, and that certainly wasn't going to help shooting up at the tower. That's right. That's right. Um, let's talk about the officers uh, and, and just for how long uh, that we went, that, that everyone went thinking one of the officers killed Whitman when, in fact, it was not that officer Um it was a total another officer that was that was in on it. Well, there were essentially two officers. There were eight officers that went up the tower. Right. And uh, any one of them could have been the uh, one who pulled the trigger, or any one of them could have been killed. Yes. Um, two of them uh, went uh, around the observation deck and encountered Whitman and opened fire. And Ramiro Martinez was the first to, to fire and he emptied his revolver at Whitman, and uh, then uh, Houston McCoy came up around uh, from behind, and he had a shotgun and was double uh, shot, and he shot twice and hit Whitman with both of those. And there's been a long debate about who actually uh, pulled the the kill shot trigger, mm-hmm. which is kind of, in my opinion, was kind of a silly debate. Sure. Uh, uh, Martinez got the credit for years and years. McCoy was a very modest, humble man who didn't take any pride in in uh, having killed a man. And it really kind of came to a head after Hollywood made a movie called The Deadly Tower that that focused only on Martinez and portrayed Whitman as. Well, didn't even name him, but but portrayed a, an individual who didn't even fire. And, Houston and McCoy, was, yeah, yeah, it was almost cowardly uh, in the movie, which just was not the case. Well, a horrible and, movie anyway. It was, by the way, it was movie. it was made in Baton Rouge because the city of Austin wouldn't allow him to shoot mm-hmm. it on the tower. That's correct. That's correct. Anyway, the uh, the real story came out uh, during the 40th anniversary. The the officers who were there finally got together. Uh, like everyone else, they had not been talking about it for uh, for decades, but they shared their story with uh, with reporters and newscasts, and and so the 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 matter was really, I think, settled ten years ago. Although our book explores it again, uh, and certainly it, none of the credit that Whit, that Houston McCoy gets now should take anything away from Romero Martinez because what he did was exceptionally brave. No question. Uh, but uh, it is a shame that Houston McCoy didn't get an equal amount of credit. And and, and the, the you bring up this, it was the 40th anniversary. The uh, These guys had never really, the guys that were involved that went up and got him had never really talked about it either, had they? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, Houston McCoy's daughter, Monica McCoy, uh, contacted them and got them all together and they started talking about it for the first time and and 
as you mentioned, some of the victims, some of the survivors, some of those who lost friends and family members, they went years and years without talking about it, didn't they? That's right. And uh, yesterday, the, uh, I met some more of them at the memorial event on campus. And How was the turnout of that event, by the way, Bonnie? Very good. I, I would guess there were probably 300 people there. It okay. was uh, It was standing room only, and... Uh, very, very well organized, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the university deserves to be proud of, of what they did. So after 50 years, they you think they may have gotten it right? <laughs> they did. I uh, I wish it had happened earlier, but uh, better, better late than never. The bottom line is, uh, as you've mentioned many times, I mean, this uh, an attack of this magnitude had really never happened on American soil before, had it? No, there there were a couple of instances of, I guess you would say, mass murders, but nothing similar to this, nothing on a campus, nothing that lasted so long. Um, I mean, you know, now it's almost commonplace, unfortunately. But in 1966, it was new, different, and very shocking. Talk about the heroes on the ground that risked their lives to get the wounded and the dead out of the mall and the places where the shootings had taken place? Well, there were uh, uh, 31, actually 32 people that were only wounded, and there were numerous individuals, most of them students, who put their own lives in, in, in danger to, uh, to get them, get the wounded, uh, out of the line of fire. Cliff Drummond, who is the uh, mm-hmm. uh, university student body president, his good friend Bob Higley, uh, John Fox, uh, Alfred McAllister, uh, Chip Jansen, each of them had, uh, and others, uh, literally put their lives at risk uh, in order to uh, to save people who were in need. Some of those that helped and some of the victims were burned it was so hot they laid in the sun it was a hundred degrees in august those without shoes had the bottom of their feet burned they uh, they looked at the victims coming in that that's a little piece of the puzzle that really uh just fascinated me yes uh, uh you know i don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with the tower and what's immediately below but uh, there's a law lo- there's a large concrete apron uh the South Mall, yep. and that's where the first victims were shot, and there were uh, five laying on the concrete, um, particularly Claire Wilson, who who was the first victim. She was a pregnant, pregnant woman. She was eight months pregnant. She laid there for, what, an hour and a half, right, uh, the whole uh, shooting? At least over an hour. Yeah. And, and uh, some of the nurses at Brackenridge uh, said that victims came in with, with second-degree burns from, from uh, lying on the concrete. I want to go back to Whitman's father, if I could, a little bit. We're visiting with Monty Akers. His book is called Tower Sniper. He wrote with his son, Nathan, and Dr. Roger Friedman, who's a Ph.D., whose best friend was killed that day in 1966 when they were in high school, right? Correct. Um, Tell our listeners just a little bit, a little snapshot of Whitman's father. Well, C.A. Whitman... uh had a had a tough upbringing himself, but uh, once he became an adult, he was uh, very abusive. Uh, he had a rather strange 
combination of uh, personality factors. He was simultaneously overly permissive and overly strict with his family. He showered them with money and gifts, but then they reminded them daily that they owed everything to him and would physically abuse them. Uh, his wife and his three sons uh, beat them, uh, pounded it into their head that the only proof of success was making money. And uh, Would he be described as bipolar today? He was actually uh, diagnosed as, as bipolar. Uh, Dr. Stuart Brown, one of the members of the Connolly Commission, uh, flew him to California and, and diagnosed him as bipolar. And... Uh, uh, it, it's very interesting how, after the incident, people who knew Charlie Whitman talked about how they never would have expected him to do it. He was just such a nice, friendly, upbeat guy. He was the all-American kid, right? Blonde hair, blue kid. eyes, marine, scoutmaster. And then the same people would turn around and say that his father, C.A. Whitman, was the cause of it all, a brute, a disgusting individual. And and uh, some of the witnesses who were interviewed by the FBI would not do so in front of a window for fear that Whitman would, Charles C.A. Whitman would see them and and uh, either shoot them or or get revenge. When uh, his when his mother decided to leave him in Florida and and Charles Whitman went down to pick her up and bring her back to Austin, that was seemed like the beginning of the end for him. It was the. That happened in March, six months before the shooting, and that last six months was a very tumultuous time for him. And uh, and, and March 29th was the first time that he ever agreed to see a psychologist and 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 get some sort of treatment for the amount of stress he was feeling. Uh, and there's also a possibility he was uh, he was uh, hurt. Uh, suffered head injuries twice uh, in 1964 and 65 when he was in the Marine Corps. Mm. And uh, one was a Jeep accident and one was a beating. Uh, he and a friend were mistaken for somebody else, and some Marines beat them up and kicked him in the head. And it's entirely possible that he suffered some uh, mm. concussive uh, mm. brain injury mm. that may have affected the, his, his behavior in college. And again, at the time, they wouldn't have checked for anything like that in an autopsy and maybe you know wouldn't even know what to look for if the brain had been in good shape. That's correct. Was this a hard book to write? Uh, well, I would not say that it was. It, uh, you know, If we had known at the beginning how many shootings there were going to be now, recently, yes. I'm not sure we would have wanted to do anything that could be interpreted as interest or mm -hmm. uh, anything similar mm -hmm. in that topic. But uh, it wasn't hard in the sense of finding the primary material because it's it's been gathered and is in one place. Yes, It was difficult finding some of the witnesses, but we found many that had never been interviewed before. Uh, it was it was a bit of a challenge finding the right voice, uh, but I think we did that. And then some of it was just purest uh, serendipity, uh, meeting Roger Friedman mm -hmm. uh, and uh, having him uh, enthusiastically join the project and become a co-author. 
uh, with his unique background, not only of knowing a, one of the victims, being a close friend, but but being a trained psychologist and being able to uh, uh, to analyze Whitman's uh, motives and, and personality, uh, and you know things like the brain tumor. We yeah. uh, we didn't expect to find what we found. Yes, didn't expect that little strip of adhesive tape to tell as much as it did. There's probably oh, I would say twenty maybe 30 little incidents, little pieces of information that uh, came out in our research that had, to our knowledge, never been published before. Well, it is just a fascinating read. It's called Tower Sniper, the Terror of America's First Active Shooting on Campus, published through Hardy Publishing in Houston. Uh, Monty Akers is a co-author. Monty, I really appreciate you spending spending time with us today. Uh, Absolutely. My honor. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay. That's author Monty Akers. The book is called Tower Sniper. Uh, Kairos Truck Center, Highway 21, half mile east of the bypass, has great deals on Ferris zero-turn rider mowers. If we ever get any rain again, we might, if we ever do. Uh, The grass will grow through, you know, October and around here sometimes to November, August is the hottest month of the year statistically, although I'm not sure how it can be hotter than it was in July. But the point is, you don't want to be pushing a lawnmower around your acreage when this heat is really dangerous. Go see David Hogan over at Kairish and let him put you on a zero-turn rider mower by Ferris for nothing down. And 0% interest. I don't think you can do better than that. David's been doing this a long time. They stand behind everything they do. It's Kairos Truck Center, Highway 21, half mile east to the bypass in Bryan. 808 Technologies combines over 40 years of experience in electronics integration, specializing in sound, video, automation, and networking for both residential and commercial applications. The result is unmatched performance visually, sonically, and functionally. For the next level in custom electronic design and installation, contact 808 Technologies for a free consultation at 808tech.net. That's 808tech.net. Producers Cooperative Association was started by the farmers and ranchers of the Brazos Valley in 1943 and ever since has been the area's agricultural provider. We've grown to be the largest member-owned agricultural cooperative in the state of Texas with the mission to provide agriculture with the needed products, programs, and services. Everything ag. We have it. All of it. Stop by and visit us or call us at 979-778-6000. For your car, your home, your business too, Acme Glass takes care of you. For over 60 years, we're the clear leader. Our quality and value keeps shining through. For repair and replacement on all kinds of glass, you can trust Acme for quality that lasts. Where quality and value keeps shining through, Acme Glass, we're the this portion of the program is presented by West Webb, All Britain, and Gentry. Congratulations to West Webb, All Britain, and Gentry for receiving this year's Brian Rotary Anco Lifetime Achievement Award. 
WestWeb's uncompromising core values have set the standard throughout the state of Texas. In 2020, WestWeb launched its own charitable organization called First Win to provide children with basic needs like food, clothing, nutrition, education, and health care. WestWeb, Albert and Gentry, the 2022 winner of the ANCO Lifetime Achievement Award for Business. WestWeb, you know us. You're listening to the best of Mallory. Mallory is brought to us by Southwest Card World. And, you know, within the last couple of hours, big breaking news, Mallory. We've been waiting for this for months and months. The jury has returned a verdict in favor of Johnny Depp. The jury rules that Amber Heard defamed Depp with malicious intent in a 2018 Washington Post op-ed claiming she was a victim of domestic abuse. Depp was awarded $15 million, $10 million in compensatory damages, $5 million in punitive damages. He was not in the courtroom. Of course, he's in London playing guitar. Amber Heard was in the courtroom. This trial was six weeks long. Good gosh, I don't think oh. the OJ trial took this long. Oh, I mean, come on. Oof. So those poor jurors. And you were watching. <laughs> you were you were actually watching live uh, today. So what do you? Well, they kind of tricked us because they said there was a live verdict and it was going to happen at I guess what three p.m. Eastern time. So okay. two yeah. our time. Yeah. And then the jury didn't properly fill out <laughs> some of the paperwork. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, so no. then they had to take it back. Uh, <laughs> and it turns out that they had to put the exact dollar amount um, for, you know, how much each person was going to get or they thought should right. get, I guess. Right. And so that kind of gave it away that someone was going to get money, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Kind of didn't expect it, but yeah. Just my my question like is this: process. Will Johnny Depp ever see a penny from this trial? No, no. Also, because didn't she get like she got some money too? Did yeah, like two that? two million for something, and I don't know what that so was does, for. So does that mean they just kind of get to cross out, and Johnny only really gets thirteen? Or how yeah, does that work? I, mean, I have no. <laughs> I, I don't think any of them will get paid. That's what I think. No, I don't even think <laughs> the lawyers are getting paid. Remember, we had that discussion well, yesterday. So, I if mean, anybody lawyers... gets paid, believe me, the lawyers will be paid first. Of course. And I mean, if anything, they got notoriety from this. I mean, they're, they've got some fame from this. Some good press, some bad press, if you're Amber Heard's lawyers, but I digress. Oh, man. Well, I've got some royal news. Good. Because we do know the Queen's giant platinum jubilee. Oh, that's right. This weekend. Yeah. Beauty. So Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have been reassured their family will be well protected when they touch down in Britain today. Oh, good. The day ahead of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee weekend. This coming after Harry threatened legal action to keep his kids safe. <laughs> the Mets royalty and special specialist protection unit has been working with Harry's crew to get him taxpayer-funded officers over the past week. Well, of course. 
The family will get armed police protection while at royal events um, or at Frogmore Cottage where they will be staying. Frogmore. Isn't that where they stayed before they moved to the States? Sounds about right. Who knows? Um, Sure. That was so long ago, I feel like. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The the production – or protection, sorry, not production. Protection, well, it might be a production, won't be around. However, for smaller social events like hanging out with friends and hitting up a pub. I don't know that Harry's going to be hitting up any pubs. Now, Megan might. I mean, if I was Megan, I would just be probably taking back shots the yeah. entire time I'm there. Can you even imagine? She's like, great, can't wait to return to this place where they hated me. <laughs> and they still hate me. Oh, well. Ugh. Anyways. Harry's legal team appeared in court in February during a hearing uh, to reinstate his family's protection. When they removed themselves from the royal family, they lost their public funded protection in the UK, having to pay their own security while in America. Uh, They can afford Uh, it. Yes. And then, of course, now that he has three-year-old Archie and 11-month-old Lilibet, Lilibet, I don't know if I'm saying that right, wouldn't it be safe? Wouldn't be a safe place? Uh, that he calls home, his lawyer added. It should go without saying that he wants to come back to see his family and friends and to continue to support the charities that are oh, so close good to gosh. his heart. Well, that Megan ripped him away from whenever she... No, I kidding. hope it's a great weekend for everybody. I'm sure we'll have news on it next week. We'll find out. Uh, Justin Bieber back in the news. In May, the Canadian-born singer... And a Canadian donate, uh, donut chain announced a new collaboration, Beebs Brew, a French vanilla cold brew, which fans can try in Canada beginning June 6th and in U.S. today. Today. Um, so there's a clip with Beeb standing in a dark conference room in front of a large brewing container of coffee. When his okay. Tim Hortons partner, Pam, walks in the room, he keeps his eyes glued to the cold brew on the table. Hello, Pam, says the Beebs. Pam asks the singer, who obviously isn't in the office during normal business hours, why he's there. The Beebs Still staring at the coffee, says, job's not done yet. Confused, Ooh. Pam turns on the lights and asks Beebs what he means. I haven't tried the final product, he answers. That <laughs> takes 16 hours for it to steep before it's ready. So we can just call you back in 15 hours, says Pam. Beeb finally looks away from the drink and says, yeah. Not a chance I let someone put their lips on the Beebs brew before this guy. If it wasn't already hilariously apparent that the Grammy Award-winning artist was set on monitoring his brewing coffee all night, he kicks his feet up on the conference room desk and nestles into an office chair with a neck pillow propped behind him. (coughs) Pam wishes the Beebs a good night turns off the lights and says, don't forget to lock up. The funniest part from the bit is when Pam is about to walk out and Beeb says, I love you. I love you too. I'm glad you said it first, Pam said, blushing. As she walks away, 
she peers through the glass walls and says, man, he really loves his Tims. Throughout the spot in which the Beebs pulls an all-nighter, he sets out to prove that the Beebs brew, which is brewed 16 hours, is definitely worth the wait. Well, mm. I feel exhausted just hearing that whole thing that you just explained. Give me some Beebs brew. <laughs> it better be good. Very good. Hey, if the Beebs is putting his name on it, you can bet it's good. You can bet. It's good. <laughs> it's probably not the worst. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know if good is the right word. You don't know. You need to try it first. You're right. I should not. I shouldn't make any judgments. Exactly. But I probably still won't try it because I just, you know. You know, I'm not a coffee drinker, so somebody else is going to have to try it and tell me. All right. I mean, I am I am a heavily So go get drinker, you some Beebs so Brew and let me know. We'll think about it. Okay. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see if I can get my hands on it. Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker may have been dripping in Dolce & Cabana for their luxurious Italian wedding, but Twitter was more focused on them sk- on their skimpy pasta portions. Mm-hmm. Um, and a now viral clip taken by 43-year-old Courtney's little half-sister, Kylie Jenner. You may know her. Um, a chef uses a ladle and tongs to serve a limited amount of pasta on a decorative plate. And I saw this portion, and it was the saddest portion. <laughs> it was one of the many behind-the-scenes exclusives documented by the billionaire on her Instagram stories. The pasta video itself may only be 13 seconds in its entirety, but it was just enough to make Twitter lose their mind. <laughs> the pasta video, it's, uh, sorry, one user called the portion one of the saddest things I've ever <laughs> seen. <laughs> this tweet, many agreed with because it had 29,500 likes <laughs> and over 2,600 quotes. <laughs> um this qualifies as a hate crime where I'm from, <laughs> one user said. <laughs> not the Sam's Club. <laughs> not the Sam's Club sample sizes for food at a wedding. <laughs> Cost of living obviously affecting the Kardashians, judging by a photo of Courtney getting married in her undies and a single strand of pasta served at the reception. One commenter said, this would make me square up with the bride or groom. If you don't know what square up means, that means fight. (laughs) And I agree. Uh, Uh, The pasta portion size at Kourtney Kardashian's wedding, again, was just the saddest portion. If you care to look. And you know the thing is, pasta's pretty cheap. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're in Italy. What are you doing? Yeah. Give the people what they want. I mean, give none the, of them probably give the people a, their pasta. That hey, that she is like serving. It. She is serving what she normally eats per proportion, right? Uh, what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe like if a I strand eat pasta of noodle. Amount, One strand of noodle. As the Kardashian. That's what you're saying. That's <laughs> that's right. It's the Kardashian Italian diet. You just eat a really sad amount of pasta. Ugh. Oh, what a, how sad disappointing chip i don't know if you've seen it but it is it is sad i have seen a little bit of it yes it's pretty sad it's, it's like one give the people a plate of pasta <laughs> howie mandel 
who probably eats a bigger portion size than what the Kardashians were serving, uh, teased the epic new season of America's Got Talent. I don't even know what season this is. I don't it's going to be like season 20 or 30 or who knows what. It's season 17. It's okay. right here. Uh, on the Tuesday episode of the People Every Day podcast, the comedian who is 66, I can't believe he's 66. Wow, I, can't I didn't either. know that. Opened up about what fans can expect from season 17 of the hit series, which kicks off Tuesday night. Um, I'm the longest running judge on the show. Humble brag. Yeah. Uh, Wait till you see this season. But I think there is something in the air. And I think it's because of what has been going on throughout the world. All this energy was bottled up. So now we have a live audience. People have been locked away in their prospective homes, countries, wherever they were. And they just showed up and exploded on our stage. So that's exciting to hear. Hmm. Uh, we are seeing things bigger, more dangerous, more exciting than we have ever before. Nice. What a great – yeah. I mean, it's he's, he's really hyping this up, so I hope he doesn't dis, – they don't disappoint. Uh, the show's spinoff series, America's, America's Got Talent Extreme, show the risk contestants will take. Um, that in October 2021, uh, Jonathan Goodwin was injured after he was struck by two vehicles suspended in air. Yeah, we talked about and, that. Yeah, and fell to the stage while rehearsing a stunt on the set of the NBC show. Um, days after revealing that he is now in a wheelchair, the former, I don't even, escape daredevil apologist. Yeah, fancy word. And self-described daredevil shared an optimistic message to his followers again saying, when things go wrong, try not to panic. Take a minute. Take a breath. Then work out how to move Forward. Mm. That is a nice great way to look at it. Great advice for all of us. Great advice. Spin it in the air. <laughs> um, the next time you have a minor convenience, just think of this guy. Fresh <laughs> off her breakthrough role in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, Rachel Zegler will star in the new Hunger Games prequel. The studio announcing that Zegler will play Lucy Gray Baird. In the Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, an extension of the Hunger Games saga that takes place decades before the adventure of Jennifer Lawrence's Katniss. Katniss played in the 74th Hunger Games. Baird will be part of the 10th Hunger Games. Susan Collins, whose books were adapted into the $3 billion blockbuster franchise, Wow. Published the prequel novel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, in 2020. In the film, Lucy Gray Baird, a tribute from the impoverished District 12, sings in a pivotal moment during the reaping ceremony. Ziegler will star opposite Tom Blythe, who plays the 18-year-old Coriolanus Snow. So, the movie set to be released... November 17th, 2023. So you have to wait about another 18 Ooh. months. Don't you love when they do that? <laughs> yeah, another 18 months. Hey, they're already <laughs> they're already pubbing it, right? So we got to wait 18 months. Oh, man. Well, I've got a big story, Chip. Good. One that I don't even know if they'll still be together in 18 months, but Mama June... Is a newlywed. Oh, good gosh. <laughs> oh, Mama dude. Who would uh, who would do that? A guy named Justin Stroud. And by looking at his Instagram, they look like a match made in heaven. Well, good. Um, her boyfriend of less than a year, 
at a Georgia courthouse on March 23rd. So they've been married for a little a bit. A while. Yeah, confirmed that the two are married. Uh, the son was the first to report the news. We, this is, I believe, for Mama June. We'll do our best. We've known each other for for each other going on a year now. So not even a full year. Going on a year. Going on a year. We were best friends and decided to take it up to the next step in the last eight months. She told the UK outlet of her engagement to the, oh, he's an auto mechanic. Perfect. That can be helpful. Perfect. Yes, that can be helpful. It's not a bad choice. Um, He would send me sweet messages saying, hey, how are you doing? (laughs) That is, he's a real romantic. (laughs) Actually, her voice would probably be like, hope you're having an amazing day. Noticing oh the my gosh! Stuff. I, I That's just what made me fall for Justin. I just uh, you said Justin is an amazing person, and he understands everything I'm going through. I've been able to share stuff with him I've never been able to share with oh, other people, not even my kids. Please, so it's really please, nice that partnership. That's um, enough. That's enough. I'm getting the heebie-jeebies. No, no, I'm ge- no, no. Chip, he texts her nice things like, "Yeah, how are you how doing? Are you doing? <laughs> yeah, brilliant." Uh, the guy's a real conversationalist and deep thinker, so, apparently. Guys, if you're listening, don't forget to text your significant yeah. other. How are, you, How are doing? you doing today? Make her swoon. So today <laughs> is uh, June 1st is yes. the, let's see, Marilyn Monroe would have been 96 today. Okay. Wow. So. As part of this, Julian's Auction House has announced the Marilyn Collection as part of the upcoming Hollywood Legends Auction. Fans can get their hands on everything from Marilyn's handwritten notes and famous photographs to costumes worn during movies, Marilyn's beige heels, gold tone earrings, crystal beads, her bedazzled gown from the 1954 musical After You Get What You Want, You Don't Want It. The outfit's expected to sell for between eighty dollars and $100,000. There's a pair of sequin leotard costumes Marilyn and Jane Russell wore in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, $100,000. Handwritten Ooh. note about acting classes, three to $5,000 expected. Her personally owned actor's card with a receipt of overdue payment and penalties. So that's going to bring in some scratch. Also, on this date, 55 years ago, a band called The Beatles released an album called Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Fifty-five years ago today. I know how you feel about the Beatles. I do love love me some Beatles. Um, yeah. Let's do Pretty some good. birthdays. Perfect. Pat Boone, friend of the show, eighty-eight today. Happy birthday! Yeah. Oh, how about that? Actor Morgan Freeman. Okay. Morgan Freeman is eighty-five. Is years that old right? Today. Wow. Okay. I had no idea. Uh, model Heidi Klum, who is also on America's Got Talent. Yeah. She's 49 today. Part, parts of her. Um, Ron Wood of the Rolling Stones, 75 today. Ronnie nice. Dunn of Brooks and Dunn, 69 today. Nice. Clint uh, Black's wife, Lisa Hartman Black, 66 today. 
Singer Alanis Morissette. Okay. Sing the ironic song. She's 48 years old today. Okay. And then actress tries to be comedian Amy Schumer. Yes. 41. Okay. Uh, Brandy Carlisle, 41 today. Uh, tomorrow, Ron Ely, Tarzan, 84 tomorrow. Stacy Keach is 81 tomorrow. Charles Hayde from Hill Street Blues is 79 tomorrow. Jerry Mathers, the Beaver, is 74 tomorrow. Um, No one thought he'd make it to 74 because every year there was a rumor he'd been killed in Vietnam for about 10 years running. Oh, one of those. Uh, Got it. Ooh, Dennis Habert, uh, Haysbert, President Palmer from 24, 68 tomorrow. I love Dennis Haysbert. Dana Carvey, funny guy, 67 tomorrow. How about that? Nice. Andy Cohen, not so funny guy as far as I'm concerned, 54 tomorrow. He brings the drama, though. Uh, yes. Wayne Brady is 50 tomorrow. Oh, I yeah. like Wayne Brady. I do too. Very talented. Yes. Um, let's see if I've got anything else. Oh, here's one. Country singer Dan Cahoon is Ooh. 39 tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was my thought. <laughs> exactly. You probably oh, didn't know that Dan Cahoon <laughs> is part of the Marshall Dillon band. I <laughs> Who wouldn't? Know I mean, that? <laughs> this is why you listen to the show, correct? For Dan Cahoon, yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, try that at the uh, old water water uh, fountain tomorrow at work and see see what happens. All right, see <laughs> all the celebrate. quizzical looks you get. All right, uh, that's it for today. We'll try on Friday. Well, we'll be here on Friday. I don't know if we'll try. We can't guarantee that. Mallory is brought to us by Southwest Card World. Just like your home's decor and the paint color on your walls, the flooring in your home is an expression of you. At Zorneman Flooring, our goal is simple. Help every individual client express their style with the very best in flooring, selections, price, and service. Whether you're in need of carpet, tile, or wood, Zorneman Flooring can create a unique floor made just for you. Call Zorneman Flooring at 776-2800. Express yourself with Zorneman Flooring. Click zfloors.net. This is Passport to Texas. If you were in the field on opening day of spring turkey season, you might have wondered, where are the birds? Well, according to biologists with Texas Parks and Wildlife, field observations prior to the opener suggested hens were playing hard to get and showing little receptivity to toms and breeding. Jason Harden, Upland Game Bird Program Specialist, said hens' interests picked up near the opening day of the season, effectively hampering a hunter's chance of luring love-struck gobblers. He adds that by now, though, most hens should be bred and hunting ought to be good from the time the toms leave the roost until they go back up for the night. Biologists report habitat conditions throughout the state look promising. One region of concern, however, is the rolling plains, where the landscape is still very dry, with limited rain in the last six months. The regular spring season for Rio Grande turkey continues through April 29th in the south zone. The north zone general season runs through May 13th. Eastern spring turkey hunting in counties with an open season is April 15th through May 14th. Hunters must report harvest of eastern turkeys electronically to Parks and Wildlife within 24 hours of harvest. 
Reports can be made through the Parks and Wildlife My Texas Hunt Harvest app or online from the Parks and Wildlife Turkey page. The Wildlife Restoration Program supports our series. For Texas Parks and Wildlife, I'm Cecilia Nasty. Hey, just before I left for a little vacation time, Julia Gardner sent me a note that David Gardner now has a new line of diamonds. Celebration Diamonds, partnership with an exclusive supplier, a De Beers site holder and world-renowned diamond cutter. Um, It's another great David Gardner partnership. This is what they do. So whether you're celebrating an anniversary, a birthday, a holiday, a special occasion, these diamonds are going to make the perfect way to sparkle, sparkle. Go online at davidgardnersjewelers.com. Drop by tomorrow from 10 to 6. As far as I know, the AC is working fine. Ask them about their new line of celebration diamonds at David Gardner's Jewelers, 911 University Drive in front of audio video. At Raymond James, the financial well-being of our clients always comes first. We commit our energies, intellect, and knowledge to providing the highest level of service and delivering quality investment alternatives to help you attain your objectives. To find out more, call Raymond James Financial Advisor David Decker at 693-7600 in College Station today and ask about our pledge to you. Raymond James Financial Services, member FINRA SIPC. Life well planned. 808 Technologies combines over 40 years of experience in electronics integration, specializing in sound, video, automation, and networking for both residential and commercial applications. The result is unmatched performance visually, sonically, and functionally. For the next level in custom electronic design and installation, contact 808 Technologies for a free consultation at 808tech.net. That's 808tech.net. You can listen to Aggie football, basketball, and baseball on your Amazon.org Echo. Step Echo. one, say Alexa, enable Zone 1150 skill. Step two, anytime you want to hear fighting Texas Aggie football, Texas A&M women's basketball, or Aggie baseball, all you have to do is say, Alexa, play Zone 1150. It's that simple to listen to your favorite A&M teams that play on the zone with your Amazon.org Echo. Make sure Echo. to say one time, Alexa, enable Zone 1150 skill. Then say, Alexa, play Zone 1150. Looking for podcasts of Tex Eggs Radio, The Louis Bellina Show, or Chip Howard? Look inside the Pause Center at Zone1150.com. Don't miss a single rant, guest, or moment. You can download or subscribe to any and all of your favorite shows inside the Pause Center at Zone1150.com. There's also a special selection where you can find select interviews from David, Louis, and Chip. Look up Zone interviews inside the Pause Center at Zone1150.com. Download or subscribe, but don't miss out. Check out the Pause Center at Zone1150.com. My Maria There was some blue and sorrow times Just my thoughts My thanks to Mike Leach, Al Pulliam, Alex Caruso, and Monty Akers. We will be back tomorrow with John Feinstein here on Sports Radio 1150 AM, 93.7 FM, KZE College Station, Bryan, Texas. Sailing on the sea
Sports Center. Hello there. I'm Mark Robbins. Oh, the big baseball news continues to pour into ESPN Radio Sports Center. ESPN MLB insider Jeff Passan is reporting the Astros are finalizing a trade with Boston to get Red Sox catcher Christian Vasquez. Guess who's playing in Houston tonight? And guess what game is on ESPN at 8 p.m. Eastern? Yeah, Red Sox and Astros from Houston, 8 Eastern, no word yet if it's finalized or who or where Vasquez will play uh, this evening. Meanwhile, Houston already acquiring Trey Mancini from Baltimore earlier today, part of a three-team trade involving Tampa Bay as well. Yankees making some moves, acquiring right-handed starter Frankie Montas and closer Lou Trevino from Oakland. They'll get the A's will get four Yankees prospects. The Braves have signed star third baseman Austin Riley to a 10-year, $212 million contract. The deal will run through 2032, and it includes a $20 million club option for 2033. The Braves and, and Brewers swap closers. Milwaukee sending all-star Josh Hader to San Diego. The Padres lefty Taylor Rogers and three other players. And in the NFL, Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. Suspended for the first six games of this season for breaking the league's code of conduct policy. Watson had 24 civil suits brought against him for sexual harassment and inappropriate sexual conduct. The NFL has until 9 a.m. Eastern Thursday to decide to appeal. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Josh Allen, MVP favorite. Josh Allen this, Josh Allen that. When you have so much hype going into a year, people are looking for you to cash in on The that. guys will be back Tuesday morning at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. He is the voice of the SEC. And you can hear Paul Feinbaum from 2 to 4 weekdays. Right here. Here on the Sony 1150 AM and 93.7 FM. One, two, three, ho! This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. news on Deshaun Watson. In fact, we expected it before camp began, even weeks ago, but we got it this morning. And now the sports world reacts to it and wonders whether there will be an appeal. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you as always. And Teron Davenport filling in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.